Isn't that great? Oh, man. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good to see all of you. Thank you for joining us today to celebrate Christmas with us. And I, I always love hearing from our kids. They have such a cute take on what Christmas is all about. You know, Christmas has changed a lot over the years. I don't know if you've thought the same thing or noticed that. But, for, for example, it used to be that everybody would get a live Christmas tree. I know that we used to, when I was a kid, we'd always get a live Christmas tree, but not so much today. In fact, uh, I want to ask you, how many of you have a live Christmas tree in your home this year? Just kind of raise your hands, all right? There's a few hands, all right? Not a lot. How many of you have a fake Christmas tree in your house? Wow, just way more people, right? In fact, I read a survey that said that this year, 82% of all Christmas trees are going to be fake Christmas trees, and only 18% are, them, are, are going to be live Christmas trees. And so a lot has changed, even, even with Christmas cards. It used to be that everybody would send out a Christmas card, and it would have a nice little drawing on it, maybe a manger scene or Santa Claus, depending on whether you like that kind of stuff or not, or maybe a Bible verse. Uh, but today, not so much. Uh, today, people don't send out Christmas cards as much as they send out photos, uh, pictures of themselves, pictures of their family. Uh, for example, Pastor Greg sent out this Christmas uh, photo of him. No, actually, he didn't do that. But, and then here would be our Christmas photo because we were into Star Wars, right? So, no, we, we didn't actually, if you didn't get one of these, it's because we really didn't send it out and neither did Pastor Greg. We just Photoshopped it. But, but the point is people don't send out Christmas cards like, like they used to. Now, if you happen to be one of those rare folks who sends out Christmas cards, you might put a verse on it, like this one right here. Therefore the, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. That comes from Isaiah 7, 14. Very popular Christmas verse that's on a lot of Christmas cards, and you're probably uh, familiar with it, or you've probably seen it. Or, or you might see this one here on a, on a Christmas card. It comes from Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Another, another really popular Christmas verse, maybe kind of these two verses here, kind of the go-to verses for Christmas. But here's a question for you. Do you have any idea when it was that the prophet Isaiah spoke these words? And do you have any idea what he might have meant by it? Well, today I want to tell you the story behind it because... There's so much behind these verses, and I think that when you learn and discover what it was that was going on when Isaiah spoke these words, I think it will kind of, I think it'll kind of revolutionize the way you look at Christmas. So uh, before we get started, let me open up our time in a word of prayer, all right, and then we'll get, and then we'll get into the, to the word of God. Father, thank you so much for Christmas, and it is so good to be here this morning to celebrate the birth of your son. And Father, you know, we love our children and we love the things that we get to do and they certainly bring meaning to our Christmas but, and um, it brings us a warm feeling. But Lord, Christmas is not about that. It's not about family and it's not about trees and presents and it's not about giving gifts. It is about so much more. And then there's a backstory to the things that we read. And so this morning, I pray that you will help us to really wrap our heads around this. And I, Father, I know that I'm just, um, just welling up with, with excitement about this, and I pray that it would spill out all over this, this church this morning so that we would all understand and get what, what is going on with Christmas. So thank you, Father, so much. Speak to us, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so 
in order to unpack these two verses that I just showed you, we need to, to rewind back to the time of the prophet Isaiah. And that would be about 2,700 years ago uh, in Jerusalem. All right, so, so that's where we're at, 2,700 years ago in Jerusalem, 700 years before Christ, right? First of all, to set it up, King Solomon, after King Solomon died, his son Rehoboam became the new king. But his approval numbers weren't so high. And in fact, probably half the country didn't like him and didn't want him to be their king. And so all of a sudden, Israel found itself engulfed in a civil war. And the nation actually split over whether this guy should be the king or not. And it split between the north and the south. And the northern half of the country retained the name Israel. And the southern half of the country took on the name Judah. And here's a map of what the country looked like after it split. So there you see in the blue, the kingdom of Israel, they retained the, the name Israel. And in the southern part of Israel, uh, took on the name Judah, and that would be in the gold. That's kind of how this, this country looked after it split. Now, right around 735 BC, a 20-year-old kid named Ahaz became the king of Judah. So he became the king of that southern part, that part in, in gold. And this kid... Ahaz was, he was bad news. I mean, he was messed up. He was wicked. He was evil. He was bad as they came. Now, here's what happened not long after Ahaz became the king of Judah. found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. And hopefully you can take out your bay watch inside there. There's a program and the notes are there for you if you want to read along. But it says this, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Reason of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramiah, king of Israel, marched up, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. All right? Now the house of David was told, the house of David is a reference to Judah. The house of David was told Aram has allied, allied itself with Ephraim. Ephraim was a reference to the northern kingdom. Uh, um, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. All right, so uh, King Ahaz, we'll circle his name, King Ahaz, King Ahaz of Aram. Aram is present-day Syria, all right? And in Pekah, circle of Pekah, he's the king of the northern uh, part of Israel. They joined forces. They joined forces, and they marched on Jerusalem to destroy Jerusalem, Judah, and and. Um, and King Ahaz there, all right? So take, if you take a look at this map, once again, here's, here's Aram right there. That would be, this is where Syria is located today. Aram and the king there, reason, joined forces with the king of Israel, Ephraim, and that would have been King Pekah. They joined forces to attack Judah. So they came upon Jerusalem to attract, attack Judah. So here's what they were scheming. Take a look at verse 6. Jump down to verse 6, and it says this. Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. All right, so the plan was, the plan was to invade Judah, tear it up, divide it up, and install a new king in, in, in the guy's place, in King Ahaz's place. And so when King Ahaz heard this, of course, it freaked them out. Uh, he got scared. It says they shook like a tree, right? This is the setting. This is when God sent his prophet Isaiah to deliver a message to King Ahaz, all right? So King Ahaz is afraid. These guys are going to come after him. So God sends his prophet Isaiah to speak to him. And here's what he said, verse 7, Isaiah 7, verse 7. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
It will not take place. It will not happen. We underline that. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only reason. Reason is the king of Damascus, or king of Aram. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. That's Pekah. And if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. All right? So God told Ahaz, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about these two kings that are coming after you. I will take care of them. I will take care of the situation. I will protect you. All you need to do is believe in me. All you need to do is trust me. And then God said to Ahaz, hey, ask me for a sign. Ask me for a sign and I'll prove it to you by this sign that I will take care of you. But Ahaz said, oh, no, I don't need a sign. I don't need a sign. And if you read on the story, the reason why he didn't need a sign was because he didn't really believe in God. He didn't really want to do anything related to God. He wanted to have nothing to do with God. So he didn't want a sign. Instead of believing in God, that God would protect him, you know what Ahaz did? Take a look at 2 Kings 16. Here's what he did. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up, rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent a present to the king of, Is uh, of Assyria. All right, so instead of believing in God that he would protect them from these two kings, Ahaz turned to the king of Assyria for help. He turned to the king of Assyria for help. Not, he, not only that, he removed the treasures of God that were in the temple of God that Solomon built, took the treasures out, and he gave them to Tiglath-Pileser, the king of Assyria. Gave it to him as a gift. So if you take a look at this map, there you have the king of Judah. And here's Aram, and, or Aram right here and uh, Pekah right here. And they're going to attack Judah. And here's Assyria, way up there. And, right, and it extends forever. And the king of Judah, um, Aram, decides to... to our, uh, um, he decides to ask the king of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser, to help him out instead of asking God to help him. And uh, the reason why he had turned to Assyria in the first place was because they were powerful. In fact, they were the most powerful empire in the world at the time. Their empire went on for thousands of miles. And uh, interesting note, one of the Assyrian empire's uh, key cities was a city called Nimrod. Not Nimrod, but Nimrod, which is located, you'll find it today, in Iraq, 20 miles south of the city of Mosul, and you've heard of the city of Mosul before, 20 miles south of that, that's Nimrod. And here's a fascinating, important side note, really important side note. Years ago, archaeologists went into Nimrod and they started digging. And they found the remnants of the Assyrian Empire in that city. And they actually discovered the palace that was inhabited and used by King Tiglath-Pileser, who we read in this, in this scripture. And one of the artifacts they discovered in his palace, the palace of Tiglath-Pileser, was this slab of the king, which dates back 2,700 years, right? 2,700 years. And it was an extraordinary find. Not only that, it's, it's an extraordinary shape and condition. And today, if you went to the British Museum in London, you can see this slab for yourself. Archaeologists also discovered this clay tablet. 
in the palace of King Tiglath-Pileser, he found this tablet uh, which lists a group of kings who gave gifts to Tiglath-Pileser. And guess whose name was on this tablet? It was King Ahaz. And on the tablet, it says that King Ahaz gave Tiglath-Pileser gifts of gold and silver. And this is a stunning, I mean, this is a stunning confirmation of what it says in 2 Kings 16.8, that Ahaz took treasures out of the temple of God and gave them to King Tiglath-Pileser. It's all right there. You know, it's in our Bible, but it's all right there. So this is, this is absolutely mind-blowing. Tragically, in the year 2015, that was four years ago, you might remember this, ISIS militants overran Nimrud. They overran it, destroyed the ancient Assyrian ruins using bombs and bulldozers. They entered the Mosul Museum, took a sledgehammer to the hundreds of artifacts inside of it. Here's a photo that appeared in the LA Times of ISIS militants doing exactly that. And here's why this is important. These discoveries by archaeologists proved, it proved that the Assyrian Empire actually existed. And it proved that King Tiglath-Pileser wasn't some imaginary fiction guy. He was the real king of Assyria. He was a real king. It also proved that King Ahaz was real. It was real. And he actually gave gifts to king, the king of Assyria just like the Bible said he did. And if they were real, if they were real, there's only one conclusion that we can come to, and that is this. The Bible is telling the truth. That what you find in the Bible is the truth. Everything written in the Bible is true. So if you have your notes there, you can fill that in. That's your first fill-in. Everything in the Bible is true. 100% the words in God's book are true. All right, now let's go back to the story. Back to the story. Remember, remember God told Ahaz, hey, ask me for a sign and I'll give you a sign. He says, no, I don't need a sign. You know what God did? He gave him a sign anyways. All right? And here was the sign. And this is the verse. This is one of those popular Christmas verses, Isaiah 7, 14. We just read it on that Christmas card, but here's what it said. Fascinating. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. You can stop right there. Now, this passage is what we commonly refer to as a prophecy. All right, a prophecy in the Bible is when, when there is a prediction made that foretells an event that's going to take place in the future. And the Bible contains hundreds of prophecies. In fact, next week, we're going to talk about some of the prophecies in the Bible. So come back for that. But if you read this passage, three verses here, you can't help but notice, and I hope you notice this, there are three, there are two rather, not one prophecies. There are two prophecies here, not one. And the two prophecies, they both have to do with the birth of a baby boy. I don't know if you noticed that. The first prophecy is about the birth of a boy who will eat curds. Now, what are curds? Curds is like cottage cheese, all right? So this baby is going to eat cottage cheese and honey. Poor kid. He's on his way to becoming a vegetarian. And before the baby is old enough 
to discern between right and wrong, verse 16 says, the land of the two kings, who are trying to get the king of Judah, the land of the two kings will be laid waste. In other words, King Reason and King Pekah will be dead before this kid is old enough to discern between right and wrong. So the $64,000 question is, who is this baby? Who is baby number one? Is it Jesus that eats curds, cottage cheese, and honey? Who is it? Well, the answer comes just a few verses later in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 3. Take a look at it. And it says, this is the prophet Isaiah speaking. He says, Then I made love to the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said to me, Name him Maher Shalal Hashbaz. For before the boy knows how to say, My father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the plunder of Samaria will be carried off by the king of Assyria. All right, so who's the baby? The baby is the prophet Isaiah's son. He makes love to the prophetess. They conceive. They have a son. And the boy is born. His name is Maher Shalal Hashbaz. By the way, that is the longest name in the Bible. Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Say that five times in a row as fast as you can. Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Maher, forget it. But here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. By the time that Maher Shalal Hashbaz was three years old, by the time he was three years old, before... He could say mommy or daddy before he reached the age where he could discern between right and wrong. Both King Reason and King Pekka were dead. They were both killed. And it says so in the scriptures, 2 Kings 15, 29 and 30, 2 Kings 69, they both were killed by the king of Assyria. So write this one down. Everything that is predicted in the Bible will come true. Everything in the Bible that, that is predicted in the Scriptures will come to pass. It is uncanny. Every prophecy, every prediction has or will come to pass. Now, there are some that have yet to come to pass, but they will all come true. They will all come to pass. So this was Isaiah's prophecy concerning baby number one. It was not Jesus. Now, let's take a look at Isaiah seven fourteen again. Take a look at it again. And let's look at Isaiah's prophecy concerning baby number two. Verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. All right, I can stop right there. Baby number two will be born of a virgin. He will be born of a, vir be born of a virgin and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, take yourself back to that time. When King Ahaz heard this for the very first time, okay, I have, a, I have a sign for you. You know, a virgin will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Like, can you imagine what his reaction was? Like, are you crazy? What have you been smoking? Right? What have you been drinking? I mean, that is wacky. LOL, SMH. Are you nuts? How is this possible? Because no one can be born of a virgin. It is scientifically biologically impossible. Now, apart from the obvious, let me explain it to you this way, right? Every cell in the human body contains 46 chromosomes. Every cell in the body, 46 chromosomes. That would be 23 pairs of chromosomes. Now, 22 of the pairs are called autosomes, and then the 23rd pair is called the sex 
chromosome because the sex chromosome is the chromosome that determines the, the gender of a baby. In the female sex chromosome, it is, made up, it is made up of two X chromosomes. So the female sex chromosome, two X chromosomes. In the male sex chromosome, there is one X chromosome, and then there is one Y chromosome, kind of like this. When a sperm and an egg unite at conception, it is the sperm cell that determines the gender of the baby. And if the man's sperm cell that fertilizes the egg happens to be an X chromosome, then the baby will be a girl. But if the man's sperm that fertilizes the egg happens to be, if his chromosome happens to be a Y chromosome, then the baby will be a boy. You need a Y chromosome in order to have a boy. The reason why Isaiah's prophecy was scientifically impossible was because a virgin, like all women, carry the X chromosome. Women carry the X chromosome, no Y chromosomes. And therefore, she can't give birth. No female can give birth to someone without the Y chromosome. So Isaiah said in Isaiah 7:14, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. How is that supposed to happen? Impossible. Fast forward 725 years or so from the time Isaiah gave this prophecy to King Ahaz. We are now in a village called Nazareth. We were there about a month ago on our trip to Israel. And an angel named Gabriel appears to a young lady named Mary. Here's what Luke said about what happened next. Luke chapter 1 verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? Since I am a virgin. All right, so stop right there. What we see, first of all, in this passage is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Remember, everything that is predicted in the Bible will come true, right? First, we see that, that the name of the virgin here, her name is Mary, right? Isaiah, or Gabriel speaks to Mary. And the angel told her she was going to have a son. She's going to have a son, and, of course, when she heard that, she pushed back but because she said, wait a minute, that's not possible because I am a virgin. She had never had sexual relations with anyone who could give her a Y chromosome. And here's what the angel said next. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Let me summarize it for you. The Spirit of God would come upon her, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God will give her the Y chromosome so she can have a son, so she can have a boy. And that's exactly what happened a little more than 700 years after Isaiah delivered this prophecy to King Ahaz. A virgin named Mary gave birth to a son. And just as the angel instructed, she named him Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves because Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And because the Holy Spirit 
was the provider of the Y chromosome. Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Son of God. And if there was any ambiguity about this, about who the baby boy was, Isaiah cleared it up for us a few verses later. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 16. This is the second prophecy that we were looking at on that Christmas card. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All right, so the first thing we see in this prophecy is that one day the government will rest on his shoulders. Now, when Isaiah spoke this prophecy, the government was in shambles. All the governments were a mess. There was political infighting and civil war and treachery. There was no impeachment because back then, if you didn't like the president or you didn't like the king, you just tried to kill him. You didn't try to impeach him. But it kind of sounds like our country today, right? We're just, our government's a mess. And when Isaiah spoke these words, when he said that a baby would be born on whose shoulders the government will rest, what he was saying was, what he meant was, one day Jesus is going to reign over a literal, global, geopolitical kingdom. One day, all the nations of the world will come under his rule and authority. One day, Jesus will rule the world. And this is confirmed for us in two other passages, Daniel 2.44, if you want to take a look at it. And it says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. And Zechariah 14.9 says, And the Lord will be king over all the earth. He will be king over all the earth. You see, one day, a day is coming when all our governments will fold. Every government will come under his government, and Jesus will be the king, and he will rule over the world. And that day is coming very, very soon. Right after the second coming, he will set up his kingdom, and that kingdom, he will reign out of Jerusalem. Jesus will rule the world. Fill that in. A few years ago, Jimmy Fallon uh, asked all of his Twitter followers to tweet the worst advice that they had ever received. He got hundreds of uh, tweets back, hundreds of responses, but I picked out a few I want to just share with you. Whitney Nelson tweeted, My dad told me when I started driving not to put my blinkers on because it was nobody's business where I was going. (laughs) Bad advice. Wendy tweeted, Dad gave me advice once to eat jalapenos to get warm. I was a gullible child. That'll get you hot real fast. At least it'll get your mouth hot. Chris Davis tweeted, when I was in Boy Scouts, we went camping, and my scout leader said to just use the leaves to wipe. It was poison ivy. Alex McMullen tweeted, my dad told me not to worry about packing more underwear. Just turn the pair I'm wearing inside out once it was too dirty. You know what the lesson is from these tweets? Don't listen to your dad right? Don't get advice from him. No, you should listen to your dad if you're here, children, right? But you should get advice from your dad. You know, the truth is, you know, and of course, I'm kidding about all that, right? But, but the truth is, we all need advice from time to time because we don't always know what we're going to do or we don't know what we're doing or what to say. So we need advice. The second thing we see in Isaiah's prophecy is that Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. You can fill that in. And it's a fitting description because Jesus always knew what to say. Throughout his ministry, hundreds of people would come to him and ask him for advice. 
All kinds of people, possessed people, sick people, rich people, poor people, powerful people, not so powerful people, friendly people, hostile people. And he always knew what to say to them. He always knew how to guide them. He always knew how to direct them. He always knew how to, how to show them what they needed to do to help them. And he never doled out any bad advice, which explains why the officers who came to arrest him said this about him in John 7, 46. The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. No one ever spoke like this man. This man knows what he's talking about. Third thing we see in Isaiah's prophecy is that Jesus will be called mighty God. Jesus is mighty God. Will you circle mighty God? Jesus is mighty God. He is deity. And because he is deity, because Jesus is mighty God, he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is ever-present. There are no limits to his power. There isn't anything he can do because he is mighty God. And this and I wanted you to circle this because this sets Jesus apart from every other religious ruler that ever lived, that ever existed, because he is mighty God. In fact, this sets Christianity apart from every other religion because he is mighty God. You know, if you spoke to a Muslim today and if you asked a Muslim if they believe in Jesus, they'll tell you that they believe in Jesus. Muslims believe in Jesus. In fact, Muslims will even tell you that they love Jesus because in Islam, he is one of their prophets, a beloved prophet, I would add. But to a Muslim, Jesus was just a man. He was, not a, he was a prophet, but he was not God. If you ask a Jehovah's Witness, they'll tell you the same thing. They'll tell you that they believe in Jesus. They'll even tell you that they believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But they don't believe that Jesus was God. In fact, I got this statement right off their Jehovah's Witness website called Watchtower Online. They said, quote, clearly Jesus is not God Almighty. He is not God Almighty, but he is, right? He is God Almighty. He's God Almighty, and Christianity is the only faith where Jesus is declared to be God. He is God, and we, and we believe that because the Scriptures say that. Fourth thing that we see in Isaiah's prophecy is that Jesus is called Everlasting Father. He's called Everlasting Father, and this is a clear reference to the fact that Jesus is eternal. Hebrews 1.8 says, but of the Son, again, this is, God speaking, but of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, stop right there. He is saying to the Son, Your throne, O God, he's calling his own Son God. It's amazing. He's calling his own Son God. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. In other words, Jesus is everlasting Father. He has always existed. He will always exist. He is forever and ever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And finally, number five, Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace. He is Prince of Peace. And the reason he called him Prince of Peace is because he will bring peace from God. He brings peace from God. That's Romans 1.7. He, he allows us to have peace with God, Romans 5.1, so that you can have the peace of God, Philippians 4.7. So peace comes from God so that you can have peace with God so that you can have the peace of God. So here's my question. Do you have peace with God? Have you made peace with God? Or are you at war with God? Are you in conflict with God? Are you far away from God? Jesus came so that you would have peace with God. And not only that, even when you have turmoil in your hearts, you can have the peace of God by asking him to come into your heart. So that's baby number two in Isaiah's prophecy. Baby, baby number two in Isaiah's prophecy is Jesus. And one day he will rule the world. And he is wonderful counselor, and he is mighty God, and he is eternal father, and he is prince of peace. 
So this is the story behind the most two popular verses that are found in scriptures. So it begs the question, what was the purpose behind Isaiah's prophecy? What was the purpose of it? Why did Isaiah tell King Ahaz about the coming of these two babies? And how was baby number two going to benefit him when baby number two wasn't going to be born for 700 more years? Well, the answer is this. The prophecy concerning baby number one, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, was undoubtedly meant for King Ahaz. That was meant for him to tell him that God had his back, that he would protect him from these two crazy kings, Reason and Pekah. But prophecy number two concerning baby, baby number two was really meant for us. That we might know, that you might know, that the only one who can save us from our troubles is Jesus. He is our Savior, and the only one who can save us from our troubles is Jesus. You know, one thing we have in common with Ahaz is this. We are plagued with trouble. He had all kinds of trouble. He had all kinds of problems. The guy was wicked and evil. He's a 20-year-old kid, and he was bad. He only lived till 36 years old. Just like him, we live in a world full of trouble. We have trouble at home. We have trouble at work. We have trouble at school. Maybe you have relationship troubles or legal troubles or emotional troubles or money troubles. Maybe you live in a world of hurt. Maybe you live paycheck to paycheck, and you have no idea how you're going to make that rent payment come January 1st. Just like Ahaz, we're all broken people. We're all messy people. We are filled with selfishness and anger and pride and, and even prejudice and hate and lust. Some of you in this room, I would speculate, are addicted to porn. Others of you perhaps party every weekend with your friends Many of you don't get along with your own spouse. Some of you butt heads with your parents constantly. Some of you have health issues. Maybe you're struggling with heart disease or cancer or diabetes or depression or some other kind of mental illness. We live in a world full of trouble just like Ahaz did. And the only one who can save you is baby number two, and that's Jesus. He is the only one. And that's why we have Christmas. That's why the prophecy was made. That's why Jesus was born, a virgin, that we would know that he was in fact indeed the Son of God, not just another baby, but he was the Son of God. And he came to die on a cross for your sins and my sins, that we would have a Savior, and we would put our trust in him. Isaiah said Jesus would be born of a virgin, and he was. Isaiah said Jesus is wonderful counselor, and he is. Isaiah said Jesus is mighty God, and he is. Isaiah said Jesus is everlasting Father, and he is. Isaiah said Jesus is Prince of Peace, and he is. And through him, you can have peace with God and the peace of God. And that's why the words on these two Christmas cards is so significant, so weighty, because they aren't just words on a pretty Christmas card. They are words that are absolutely true. Every word of it, 100%. God gave us his one and only son, born of a virgin, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. The only question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? 
And if you believe it, Christ will come and he will forgive you of your sins. He will save your soul so that one day when your heart beats for the last time, you'll go into his presence and you will live with the Holy Spirit in your lives and he will change your life and he will make you a better person than you are today. So the only question is, do you believe? I hope you will. Let's close our time in prayer. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, I would ask you again, do you believe? Do you believe that Christmas is more than just about warm feelings and Christmas trees and mistletoe and cookies and children and presents and all those things are fine I'm not knocking that all those things are, are good but Christmas is so much more than that Christmas is, a, is about a boy that God planned long ago to send to rescue us from our troubles, to save you from your sins. And if you have never put your faith and trust in Him, if you've never said to God, I believe that what your Bible says is true. I believe it. I believe you sent Him for me. Tell Him that today. Tell Him right where you're at. Tell Him. Just say to Him, God, I, I believe. And today I want to make peace with you because I have been at war with you. I want to be reconciled to you. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to have a relationship with you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Forgive me and make me the person you want me to be. Will you say that to him? And if you do, you will have the best Christmas you have ever had. Heavenly Father, thank you for Christmas. Not for all the warm feelings it might bring, but thank you for Christmas, for sending your Son to die on a cross for our sins. Thank you for the prophecy that Isaiah gave to Ahaz. Now we know so much more. We know context. We have understand what you meant. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to stay close to you, not just today, not just at Christmas, but every day, throughout the year, and throughout the rest of our lives. Because one day, Jesus, you will come and you will rule the world. And we want to be by your side. So thank you, Father, for Christmas. We love you so much for sending Jesus for us. It's all about Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen.